wonderful people who are looking to level up your loot. I'm Tanya Tate and this is MILF's Making Money. Oh my god, I have some news for you. I lost my Instagram account with nearly 3 million followers. You're not going to believe the reason why, so you need to listen to that part. Are the consequences of being a sex worker keeping you up at night? Joining me today is Dr. Chantal Tibbles, who will discuss the stigma of being a sex worker and how to navigate through the backlash from the wider society. It's been a roller coaster ride the last few weeks in terms of my social media. Being an adult performer and making movies, I'm a really big target for sex work haters. And some people really have nothing better to do or are being paid by others with certain motives to constantly attack your livelihood. Ask any erotic content creator and almost all will certainly have experienced an issue with a post being removed online. My verified account on Instagram was almost up to 3 million followers and I'd been online for many years. A few times it had been removed and when I asked I was told by Instagram, oh it's just an error. So one morning I woke up and I find my account was offline. So there are a number of things that you can do to get your account back online when it's been deleted. You know, were you hacked? Did you get removed by Instagram? Was there another reason? So every trick I tried, resetting the password, clicking that being hacked, asking Instagram to review, all to no avail. I was offered for someone to get my account back for $2,000. I'm like, oh, that's a lot of money to give to someone who I didn't even know or trust. Were they actually, you know, some kind of scammer? Who knows? I settled on a lawyer and he went to work on my behalf only to be told the final answer from the Instagram solicitor was that my account was removed by Instagram for soliciting and it will not be returned to me. Wow. The post they flagged, I wrote the text, what are you in the mood for today? Come and join me at 5pm for a special live chat. Sounds simple, right? Posted a video alongside the text in which you can hear me saying, sitting with my legs crossed, you know what I'm in the mood for today. I'm in the mood for you. It didn't say anything explicit. It was simply saying I'm doing a live chat. But I do many live chats like on YouTube. There was nothing sexual about it. And I never even mentioned anything innuendo. But Instagram was the final say. So the only option is to go down the route of arbitration. So on that note, I've started a new Instagram account. You can follow me on Instagram, instagram.com slash Even though Instagram is a social media tool, you can't solely rely on them. It's someone else's platform and they can randomly delete you for no reason at all. 
So the moral of the story is keep building on multiple platforms. Be cautious of what you post. Back everything up and plan for it possibly going away. Because if it can happen to me on a verified account, it can happen to you. So how did losing a major social media platform mean to me mentally? Having the rug pulled out from underneath me overnight, how did I feel? Did I wet my pants in fright or feel slightly nauseous for weeks? No, I didn't. And it did actually surprise myself. I've had my IG account taken down before, but I've always managed to get it back up. So I focused on my mind thinking about it being back online. You can't take away the anxiety, but you can refocus your mind. And that's just what I did. I pictured my Instagram account being live every time I felt my mind was wandering into that worry zone. And I looked for temporary solutions. I started a new Instagram account just in case and decided that that would be my backup. But the most important thing that I did, I pushed myself to be really active on my other social media account, Twitter. I'm also verified on Twitter and my name on there is simply my name at Tanya Tate, twitter.com slash Tanya Tate. I kind of let it slow down and was doing more of a reposting kind of thing on Twitter. When you only have so many hours in the day, you have to choose what to focus on. So my Instagram had continued to grow, but my Twitter stayed stagnant. So this gave me a new lease of life, a reason to refocus on my Twitter. My interactions become more frequent on Twitter and I grew excited at seeing the likes and people talking back to me. I got a smile on my face and realised this is a set of fans that had been missing me. So looking at the stats on their new Instagram, the few thousand followers compared to the almost 3 million followers on my old account, it's weirdly completely at odds with the numbers. So my engagement right now is much higher. The ratio's changed. So even though I have significantly less followers now, the ones I do have are more engaging. Looking at the Twitter stats, I've grown thousands in just the few weeks I've been back active. With Twitter, I can include direct links to my premium social media. So I can say, hey, my sex calls, video chats are turned on for the day on Sex Panther. Here's the direct link to my Sex Panther page. Or, hey, my OnlyFans is free all weekend. Here's the direct link to join me there. I could include videos that had innuendo without fear that some hater would report me for solicitation. I didn't have to spell the words differently or say fan site and hope they understand what I mean. Twitter is so much more friendlier for sex workers. Sometimes it takes one thing to open your eyes and make you realise the other door was just waiting to be fully opened. Use change as an opportunity to see other more profitable paths. They're all out there for us. Just because something happened doesn't mean it's the end of the world. It just means it's something telling you, hey, look at what else you can do now. A door looks to be closing, but that door that's just sitting there, that's slightly open, that you've always seen it slightly open, you're going to open it, you're going to go through it, and you're going to explore it, and you're going to excel because that's a whole new path for you that you're going to take. We can all embrace change because change gives us new ideas. It brings forth new opportunities. So going from an Instagram to a very active Twitter account, it's exactly what I was waiting for. Thank you to every single one of you that are following me on my social media, twitter.com slash Tanya Tate. 
instagram.com slash tinytxo. Continue to be there because you know what? I appreciate every single one of you and those interactions I really do appreciate. Coming up next on MILFs Making Money, myself, Tanya Tate, and my guest, Dr. Chantal Tibbles, are discussing the stigma of being a sex worker, what to expect and how to navigate through the backlash from the wider society. You are listening to Tanya Tate Presents MILF's Making Money Podcast, and we are talking about dealing with the stigma of being a sex worker. Due to the pandemic, sites like OnlyFans have now become mainstream. Pretty much anyone can work from home and earn a living. I see girls on Instagram sexying themselves up, doing a little provocative dance. They can splash on some makeup and make a premium social media account and start making cash from home. They can go from being an average person to being a superstar influencer. Premium social media content has opened doors for people everywhere. You can work from home, make your own hours, doing a job that can be fun and rewarding in many ways. However, alongside the pros, the new title of sex worker can bring with it cons. Suddenly, the society views you differently. Your new label brings with it a stigma. Today's guest is a sociologist and author, Dr. Chantal Tibbles. She is a PhD from the University of Texas at Austin and completed her postdoc at the University of Southern California. A former college professor, she left academia in 2014 to pursue public sociology and private consulting. She's been working in and with the adult industry for over 15 years today. She is here on MILF's Making Money podcast to talk about the stigma of being a part of the adult industry. How are creators who expose more skin than others viewed by the wider society? What are some of the patterns or trends you can expect? What are some of the effects it can have on you when you are seen first and foremost as a sex worker or porn star? And how do you navigate through the sex worker backlash? Welcome, Chantelle Tibbles, to the Mills Making Money podcast. Hello, Tanya. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I love talking. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Chantelle, I know you, you definitely like talking. Thank you so much for being here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you moved into working within the adult industry community and what are some of your roles? Oh man, such a long story, but I'll keep it. I'll keep it succinct for the sake of, uh, you know, I'm boring everybody. As you said, I have a PhD in sociology, and I'm from Los Angeles. And when I went to school in Texas, oddly, I started studying adult entertainment. And in the process of of completing all of that, I started working within the industry, you know, basically gathering data. So I was an intern at a big production company at the time. This is back in like 2004, 2005, 2006. And so over time, I completed my study and my degree, but I also stayed involved with the industry because in addition to just being 
so welcoming and so awesome and so much fun, really and truly so much more fun than like school. I hate saying that, but it's a true fact. And also, you know, there was a lot of work to be done. I went into the industry with a lot of misconceptions. You know, I had no connection to the business whatsoever or anything. I only had things that I had read. It was shocking, like literally shocking to me how off base and uh, one dimensional a lot of this rigorous, quote unquote, academic information was. And then you get into the popular media, news media and things like that. And yeah, there was some things that were okay. But for the most part, it was alarmist, sensationalistic, etc. It's not to say everything in adult entertainment is great and wonderful, but it was much more complicated than what I was reading. And much of what I was reading and what I had done to prep myself up to going in was just outright not true. And so as I got further and further through, I I became more and more involved in the sense that I knew there was work to be done. There was a community that I was happy to be involved with and uh, I wanted to support and really and truly try to make a change and make a difference and be a voice and more importantly, be a place that created a platform for others' voices to be heard. And I think that's kind of one significant thing that I do. I don't talk a lot about porn myself, because who cares what I think. But what I always try to do is create spaces for actual sex workers and actual porn stars and actual people who are truly in the industry and living their life, you know, to be heard and to have their authentic experiences shared. So when I finished my degree, I went the conventional academic path and started professoring. But again, I always stayed involved with the industry. And, you know, again, just as time goes on, you start to realize that your efforts, or at least my efforts, I felt like they were better spent actually working in the community than, you know, teaching in a college classroom to a bunch of 20 year olds. They were fun. And and that was great. But it just, you know, I didn't feel like I was actually doing any good. So in the end of 2013, beginning of 2014, I left academia, and I started uh, freelance writing, full time and also consulting. So I used to write for a bunch of different mainstream publications. And that was fantastic in terms of kind of getting real stories out about the industry, you know, I could uh, pick and choose people to profile and companies to explore and events and things to happen, even doing film reviews in um, these places and spaces that were reaching a totally vanilla non-industry audience. And that was really cool. And I got to tell some really great stories and do some fantastic, fantastic things, in my opinion. I mean, just talking about things like piracy and niche content and, and stuff like that. But of course, as, as we all know, when you, when you give a quote to a reporter, there's no guarantee that that quote is actually going to uh, render the way you said it. And that's the same thing for a freelance writer. When you turn in your final copy, it's, it's really sort of up to the editor and up to the publication, you know, how that story comes out. So after a few times of that, you know, sort of burning me, uh, there's one particular terrible thing when Rent Boy went down and I had written a piece for a, a very large, we'll call it a four-letter website. <laughs> they had published some pictures of people who had spoken to me anonymously And that was horrifying because I had no control over that. And the the people who had communicated with me were horrified. It it became too much. So I stopped doing that too and started consulting. And so now what I do for the industry, I consult for various groups from all corners of the business, conventional porn, novelty, clips and cam, fan sites, legal, news media, 
um, I do a lot of that work and sort of kind of almost coach and advise people basically how to not be assholes and be forward thinking. So that's great. I also do a lot of education and advocacy work. So I help organize a lot of seminars at trade shows and do a lot of webinars and stuff. And that's really good because that's really, you know, giving back to the community. And sometimes I'll still weigh in as a quote unquote industry expert, but I, I really shy away from that these days too. So that's how I got here and that's what I do. Thank you so much. There's a lot of information in there. You know, yes. you, you've come from academia and giving platforms and giving voices to sex workers. I mean, that's a big thing. You know, I you've given me a voice many times. You know, I've got to go and speak at CSUN. Yes. Yes, I did. I got to speak to some of the students, those 20-year-old students, about what it's like being a porn star. You know, and it is it is about like the perception, like you say, the perception of the way that people see the people in the adult industry isn't necessarily the way that it is. And when we first spoke to you, you know, I, I first asked you about being a guest on the show. You give me this long sentence and I was like, what? You, you <laughs> said multifaceted people who navigate through the wider multidimensional world, but who are first and foremost seen as sex workers and porn stars. So talk to me about what this means in layman terms. Okay, totally. So Yes, I know. I have I have such a such thing. <laughs> so it's it's really interesting when you think about the sex work industry, the porn community, any of that. Think of any person you know, your sister, your aunt, your dad, your kid, the person who lives down the street. And you will think about that person, you will go, "Oh, that person is my neighbor, my mom, they're an accountant." they're in their 30s. You think about all of these different characteristics and qualities they have. You know, they have this kind of car, they like this kind of stuff. It's a full package of a person. And maybe sometimes there are some things that stand out. Maybe they're a physician, maybe they are, I don't know, they have a political view that is different from yours, whatever. But generally, we don't think of people in terms of one specific characteristic. However, when we talk about sex workers and we talk about people who are in the adult entertainment industry, and there's a reason for this, and, and there's no reason for me to talk for another 15 minutes about it, but for a specific reason, we focus in on that quality and characteristic of a person more than any other thing. People who enter the industry cease to be anything but a porn star, a performer, an adult entertainment person, etc to your average person. Now, obviously, everyone who works in the business is a multifaceted individual. But for people outside our industry, because the industry is so titillating to people and because there's so little actual available factual information, the wider world really focuses just on the job and just on that characteristic. So all of a sudden, a fully formed, multifaceted person, as soon as you get into the industry, you cease to become a fully functioning, fully multifaceted person. And instead, you're just, and I say that in air quotes, just a porn performer. It's like you've got the label on your head, isn't it? Yes. It's like suddenly like, it's, it's like, oh, yeah, this, 
yeah, it's like stamp. Yes. <laughs> She's a sex worker. And it, it, it is, it's like really suddenly are like these content creators, they are, they you know, people are content creators. They are erotic workers. They're sex workers, whatever you want to call them, porn stars. They're all doing one thing. They're engaging in something that is deemed as sexual activity, whether it's, you know, even just audio clips or talking or performing by themselves with somebody else, you know, it's all sexual activity. And suddenly, you know, for a content creator to come into the industry, you're going to get that stamp on you. So, you know, what are some of the patterns and trends, the issues that walking into the adult industry with this stigma, you know, what do they need to be made aware of? So specific examples of how this happens. Let's think about, I'm sure everybody who's listening right now, um, unfortunately, I can't remember her name, but a woman who was a creator on a premium social media site, who's also an auto mechanic. And in her free time, and in her break, which counts as free time, you know, she was shooting content. Guess what happened? she lost her job. Her work as an online sex worker was not conflicting with her job in any way, shape or form. She was an auto mechanic, I believe. If that happened in any other industry, we would be up in arms. If somebody was moonlighting as a babysitter, let's just say, and then we're like, oh, you can't be a babysitter and an auto mechanic. People would flip out. That would never happen. You had just raised the example of Britney Spears posting her super hot, super great. Britney Spears looks amazing, but basically naked selfies on Instagram, just the little spots. I was just looking at this today. Yeah. So briefly before we started the the podcast, I'd mentioned to Chantelle, I was like, Chantelle, look at this. Britney Spears on my phone, on my Instagram. There she is on Instagram, like literally totally naked. And she's got the tiny little stars over the nipples and over like the vagina area. And I'm just like, these are the type of content. If any one of us sexual content creators put something sexual up on Instagram, Instagram, it's like the worst place that picture would be taken down because someone would complain. But Britney Spears, 34 million followers, 10 pictures. And it, it, it is, it's like one rule for one and one rule for the other because yes. she's not classified as a sex worker. She doesn't yes. have that label. And it's literally... There is the double standard is shocking and the double standard is absolutely pervasive. Now we all know, like you just said, Instagram is terrible, but let's talk about another specific example, banking. All of a sudden we have countless stories, people you and I both know, Tanya, who have shown up at their bank all of a sudden one day to deposit something or withdraw something or ask for something. And instead of being able to do their banking, they are presented with a check that is made out to the exact balance of their account. And they're like, we don't want to do business with you anymore. That mm-hmm. is shocking and alarming. And it's created this whole secondary, almost like banking proxy industry within the adult entertainment industry, because we still need to process money. We still may need to get paid. People still want to use credit cards. Obviously, people now also want to use crypto and things like that. But there is a necessity to have banking transactions for our online work. And there's this whole space in the industry that now has been created where you have these third party, yes, they're part of the industry, but these third party processors who basically have to act as a volley. So 
sex workers can basically get their money. That is, again, if you were a babysitter and somebody told you, oh, you have to go to this special website or do this special thing in order to get your cash from the work that you just did, people would be up in arms. And yet we see it over and over and over again. There's instances of housing discrimination. I knew a story about a woman, a performer, whose horse had gotten kicked out of a stable because somebody there at the stable recognized the woman, the performer, and went to the stable owner and said, I don't want this sexy lady here in the barn. And so they kicked her horse out of the stable. What has a horse got to do with a girl making sexy content online? Absolutely nothing. And the fact that the person was recognized, isn't that interesting how it is? Nobody was like, hey, person who recognized this What's sexy she lady. Doing? Why didn't what? they kick her out of there? Why did that person get kicked out? No, it was the horse. <laughs> like, what happens right now? That That's what I think about, you know, people are, you know, you're going to be going online, you know, you, you're up there and people are going to be able to see you, whether it's, you know, the person that rents the other stable from you, whether it's someone where you're the mechanic, whether you're the nurse and you've got, you know, you put your sexy content on OnlyFans, people will find you. What are they doing looking online and finding you anyway? Because you're probably not listed under your legal name. Let's be honest. Most performers, there's a, a very, very small percentage of performers that use their real legal name. Mm-hmm. So now this person's online, they're in disguise, they've changed their name because it's called a performer name, yet this person has found you. So how have they found you? They've gone actively looking for you online and then they're going to be going to somebody else. I don't like this person because she makes sexual content on whatever way that they feel threatened. They, you know, they're jealous. They don't want other people getting on. They are going to make a complaint to somebody else about it. And then there is going to be an action from that complaint. And it's right. you're right. It's so unfair that these these performers, these creators, are going to have a stigma attached to them, and it's they're just doing a job, a job that doesn't affect anybody else. You know, it's done right. behind closed doors. If you don't want to see it, it's it, you know people are not out there in the middle of the freeway. You know, hey, I'm just I'm having a little solo pleasure in the middle of the freeway where every passing car can see you you've got to go and you've got to search it and you've got to look for it online it's not just going to pop up in front of your eyes no yeah the woman in the stable she wasn't shooting content in the stable she was mucking out the horse corral she was doing horse things in the stable there was no and yet the, the double standard is shocking and what's even more alarming and concerning and You know, you want people, especially new people to the business, to be aware of this, is that there is a lot of lip service in the mainstream media, especially about being pro-sex worker and being sex positive. And again, we can talk all day long about Beyonce and Megan Thee Stallion and this, that, and the other, and dropping the OnlyFans and the song and blah, 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 blah. Great. Everybody thinks that, oh, it's wonderful. But just scratch the surface 
And all of these things still happen and occur. So it's almost like people who are outside the industry and who are maybe interested in it and thinking, oh, this could be a viable option for me. This could be a good side hustle. This could be a career choice, whatever, whatever it is that people are thinking about. They get this, these mixed messages and generally these positive messages from the mainstream media, especially in the past couple of years. And then you actually go into the industry and all of a sudden it is shocking what happens, how you have to protect your privacy and your identity online, how you get exposed and how nobody will help you. I know currently there's this really interesting scam, an interesting in a bad way, scam happening where, um, and nobody actually knows who's doing it. Maybe you've heard about this, Tanya. There is a bot, maybe a troll going around and taking people's images from their public Instagram. These are images of women who are, you know, posing in a bikini, you know, are they cute? Are they sexy? Yes. PG, PG 13, women who are not in the industry, but people are going through and they're scraping these images and then creating fake profiles that look like fan sites. So you'll see a fake profile that looks like fansly or looks like loyal fans or something like that. And so then people, of course, are freaking out thinking that the fan sites have done this. And in reality, if you look, it's actually hosted through a free Wix site. And we're all familiar with what Wix is, wix.com. It's just a place where you can build a simple website. But now you have people outside the industry panicking, thinking that people in the industry have stolen their images or stolen their content and are essentially stigmatizing them. And at the same time, it's actually Wix, this mainstream super vanilla website that's hosting this content and is just kind of looking the other way because, you know, why would people answer their support emails or things like that? It's absolutely shocking the things that people can get away with and the disconnect, because people don't realize that it's not the porn industry doing this. People don't realize that this is a scam and that it's actually hosted through a mainstream website. And so just the disconnect between the vanilla civilian world and the adult entertainment industry, you see this, this stigma come into like super sharp relief when stuff like this happens. And you see how truly alarmed people actually are about sex work. And it's really unnerving because again, this contradicts these messages that we get from the mainstream media about it being so awesome and so great and so empowering and go ahead and do this. And it's going to be like smooth sailing and champagne and parties forever. But it's not necessarily, you know, like you get into the industry, you start making your content and you do the things that you like to do. But again, like the media, you know, very welcoming, but at the same time, they can as quickly like stab you in the back. Yes, it is. It's these things that you don't realize, you know, even going back to the banking. And for me, you know, obviously I have a bank, I have money coming through the bank account and you've got to look at different things. You know, people are going to know you, people in your community, your family, just going back to, you know, when I first got in to the industry when I was going into the industry, you know, you've got to realize that there is going to be a stigma and what are you going to do? What are your plans going to do when you, when you get in there? Who are you going to tell? You know, for me, I decided to tell my close family because I thought, well, they're going to find out, you know, let's be honest, even if you're stuck on an OnlyFans and you stick yourself behind a paywall, somebody could easily take that content and repost it 
And there you are. You've got that stigma. It happens all the time. Yeah. So, you, you know, for me, I, I did tell my, my close family, but I didn't tell all of the family. It didn't really matter. But at some point, you know, some of my other family find out um, they were watching a, a movie of me with Rocco Sofredi, and it was just, you know, it was ATM. If you don't know what that means, go and look it up and you'll be like, oh. So my cousin saw me in an ATM movie with Rocco Sofredi, and he was pretty disgusted because I think he was more shocked. Again, the stigma on me at that time, there was a backlash from the family, you know, seeing me in a different light, but I had to, I I stood my ground and I said, you know, I'm still that same person. I'm still a cousin that you grew up with. I didn't change. It's my career that changed. And it did, it took a while for them to come around. But because, you know, I was there, I was a person, obviously, I'm family, obviously, they love me. And they're going to be like, eventually, you know, they came to realize, you know, this was just a job. But when it comes to you as a content creator, and the general wider society, they're not going to be waiting to find out, are you still that same person? You, you're you going to be there with that stigma. So, you know, what do you do? Do you tell people? Do you keep it quiet? It's such a hard decision, you know, to make those choices. Yeah. And there's, there's no clear path. And that's the thing that's also interesting for every person who, you know, deals with like what you just described, a bad reaction initially, but then a, a resolution to where everything is great. And then, you know, that's one experience. There's the next person who they have the opposite and, and all of a sudden they no longer have a family and that's Mm -hmm. terrible and extreme. And then there's the the other person. I mean, I've heard tale of uh, moms going down to, you know, the agencies with their young person on the 18th birthday saying, Hey, like this career, we want to go for this. (laughs) So there's a whole wide range of, of things that can happen. And it's also interesting too, to think about the personal life And then the public social life, because you can have a wonderful supportive family and that still wider social world with all of these issues that we've been talking about, that's still there. That doesn't change, right? You could have a a family that's growing with you and trying to understand what you're doing and, and, you know, trying their best. And maybe they're struggling with it because they're not familiar with the industry. And in many ways, that isn't a person's fault because we offer as a society, we offer no education about the industry. There's no primer for porn. There's no, you know, thing that you can go look up to be like, oh, here are 10 facts about the porn industry. So you'll understand what the job is like. But even if there were those facts online for e- that were easily available in the mainstream media, be, you know, let's be honest, people aren't going to know where to look for those facts on, of course, on of porn websites because you, you need more of the education to know, well, who are the right. industry leaders? So you would actually start Googling and trying to look it up. You know, if you tried to look at, you know, 10 facts about being a porn star, you're going to get a mainstream media outlet that's going to come up with a new story and again it's got that stigma on it it's not necessarily going to be positive it's not necessarily going to be positive and it's also not necessarily going to be true and that's another thing you can go look at i don't know nursing school let's just say and you're going to get some facts about nursing school and you can go and you know if you look at a dot edu website that that's a, a legitimate academic institution. And and that's something we know. Okay, this is vetted. 
a lot of times, another thing that we hear are these horror shows from people who are, you know, who somehow connect with somebody who claims to be part of the industry and they don't know. And there's no way to verify those facts. And so that's a whole other series of things that happens where there's that we as a community, we have no barrier to entry. We have no like receptacle that new people can go to and be like, Hey, here's a set of verifiable, you know, verifiable set of information that I can look at. And I know that this is from a person or a source that's not trying to manipulate me and not trying to misrepresent. And that's another dimension to this. I mean, really and truly, there's this, this idea about a black box, you know, it's, it's a symbol for, you know, where you go into a situation or you come up against a problem and you enter into the black box and you have no idea what's going on, no context, no information, like that kind of thing. It's a physics metaphor. And it's also a good metaphor for the adult entertainment industry for a lot of new people coming in. Because if you have no connection to the business whatsoever and you're like, hey, I want to explore that and try it, who knows what's going on, right? Like there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of just space out there. And as a new person, a young person, how do you navigate that and make an informed decision? And then when you do make your decision, then there's all of these other things to also deal with it. It's a hard path. It really is. And it's it's something that we should all be aware of. So, so let's look back at some specifics of the things that we've brought up. You know, we've brought up about banking. You know, you think, you know, you're going to come in, you're going to need a, a place to go to, to have your money paid in. Let's try and give the people that are listening some solutions. You know, when you go to the bank, you're going to be opening your account up. It's quite difficult, really, isn't it? Because you're going to be going to the bank and, you know, you could be doing social media because let's be honest, that's what we do, social media. So the content creators, do they tell the bank it's social media as opposed to sex work? Is it about choosing your words carefully, you know, when you're dealing with the bank? It's about choosing your words, really and truly. And that's a great way to say it. Now, this does not mean that that's a fun thing to do. And it doesn't mean it's right. But strategically, thinking about what we're dealing with right now, it's about choosing your words. It's about remembering that you do business with the bank at the bank's pleasure, meaning that if the bank doesn't want your business, well, guess what? They don't have to work with you. And, and that's the same thing, like thinking about the mainstream media or mainstream social media. You use, we use these platforms. These are privately held companies at their pleasure. It's not, and this sounds terrible, but it's not your Instagram. It's content that you have put on Instagram. And if they don't like it, there's that. So we always have to remember that. Always make sure that you are at least dealing with spaces that are sex work friendly. And if they're not, that you're operating within their terms of service. So if the bank, for instance, is asking you or, or is like, why are you having so many transactions, for instance? Because that's one thing that happens. Lots of pay transfers yeah. in. Yes, triggers that. And anybody who's ever used PayPal, Venmo, any of those things, certainly knows what I'm talking about. PayPal's not even a bank. Like it's not even a bank. It's just a way to process money. But you have to be mindful of how they think of these things and be strategic. Is it shitty? Does it suck? Is it wrong? Yes to all of those things. However, 
This is the world that we live in. And again, just because an article on Cosmopolitan says that, oh my God, it's so great, doesn't mean that actually that's how the mechanics of these things work out. Another thing to always think about is to not put all your eggs in one basket. And for those of you listening out there who can remember like back you know, a month or so ago with that OnlyFans situation. Diversify your income streams. That is something that is so important. Even when you're talking about adult platforms, adult platforms go down all of the time, right? And so if you have all of your content or all of your eggs in one basket, then when something happens, because again, businesses close, people change their terms of service, OnlyFans is terrible, blah, blah, blah. If you have everything in that one space, then all of a sudden there's nothing else that you can do. So if you spread your content even across two or three platforms or two or three spaces or two or three different service offerings, the amount of things that are out there now, it's exhausting. I don't know how people keep up with it. It's, it is so much. So if you pick the ones that work the best for you, that you like, that you connect with, that you like the content that you're creating, that you, you, you like the interface, whatever, whatever motivates your choice, but you spread it across a couple, that is a strategic choice that you can make to protect yourself. And that is so imperative. So let's talk about, you know, there are things we know you've got to have to deal with a lot of things. There are, there is a lot of stigma that's going on. And, you know, probably before you may not ever give this another thought, but now suddenly you're like, oh, wow, there's all these things that are against us. The mainstream media says it's great, but actually at the other hand, there's, there's so many obstacles that are put in our way because people don't like sex workers. So, you know, just looking at, you know, you, you're going to choose that career. You've chosen that career. I've chosen that career. You've chosen that career in a different way. We are all working within the adult industry and we've all got that stamp on us so let's like just moving on you know people getting out of the industry they've got to be aware that once you've been in that sex worker industry you know you're gonna make all your cash you're gonna be you know doing everything that you want and at some point you're gonna want to come out of it but is that stigma just gonna keep going on you know post sex work career have we still got that stigma? Have we still got that stamp on us, that brand? You know, that's a really that's a really interesting question because we hear the negative stories and we hear, you know, people who went on to be an EMT and then somebody in the ambulance recognized them from 10 years ago or whatever. We know that story, right? We hear those. But there are thousands and thousands of other people who have, you know, either ended their career, like they just were done with their career or they wanted to do something else. And we never hear about the woman who stopped working in the industry and now works somewhere in Indiana, living a quiet life. So I don't know the answer to that question. I think that, it, you know, that's something that it's probably intensely personal and every story is different because there, there's lots of people who leave the business and, you know, kind of ride off into the sunset and we never hear yeah. from them again. And, you know, I hope everything, I hope everything's going awesome. So it could be that there's that disengagement and just over time it starts to go away. I do think too, that we are currently in this high point of being so saturated with everyone's imagery 
that we've kind of shied away from it. So maybe like eight or 10 years ago, you know, there was, there was all of these footprints on the internet, but now there's so much content that's like disappearing content, or it's just such an overload of, of things, of accounts, of social accounts, et cetera, et cetera, that it's almost like, you know, when you do your recent update and you're at the top of the list and one second later, somebody else has done it, down, 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 down. I think it might be going like that where it's so much now that it's like it, it disappears kind of quickly or it gets pushed down kind of quickly. Because again, we don't hear these later stories very yeah. often. When we do hear them, they are terrible and they are things to be aware of. But if you just think about it statistically, like the sheer number of people out there, obviously something else happens and we don't know what it is. So I don't know the answer to the question. <laughs> I just always think about, you know, going on there, there would be careers that you would not be able to kind of go into. But like you say, maybe that content is going to get hidden. Maybe it's going to disappear off. Maybe in eight to 10 years time, people won't be bothered and this stigma will have gone away or definitely dampened down a lot. Maybe. So people can be free to be the sex workers that they want, you know, yeah. because, you know, let's be honest, as a lot of people, I choose to be in this industry. You choose to be in this industry. It's career choices for us. We're not forced or coerced. We're not trafficked. It is a career choice for a lot yes. of women. Yes, it absolutely is. It's legit. It is. It absolutely is. There's literally, there's no, I mean, it, it is interesting to think about how people talk about exploitation or a bad choice. If anybody's ever been a construction worker, if anybody has ever worked in an office, like in a cubicle, let's talk about terrible working environments, right? Like there's all kinds of places out there. I mean, all labor is a mixed bag. Every career choice is a mixed bag. That's, that's just the way it is. But because this space that we're in is about not just about sex that our culture is so weird about, but about commodification, commercializing, selling sex. So that's like, oh, selling something and then the sex thing. That just causes people to extra freak out about it. They forget to think about it in a multidimensional, nuanced, kind of thoughtful way. And that's the world out there. And it is shifting, but it is not shifting as much as maybe we'd all like to think in my opinion. And Chantal, I know I've had experiences, you know, where I've been like discriminated against, you know, family. I've had accounts closed down. I've had my Instagram account taken off me. PayPal definitely don't like me. You know, there are quite a few incidents just for me. You know, I've turned up at convention and I've had people standing there with banners saying, oh, God yes. hopes you die. A complete <laughs> discrimination, completely people showing hate or not giving you the same opportunities or the same advantages of somebody else because they see you as a different person. You are a sex worker, which makes you a different person, which makes you in their eyes, not as good as the other person to have that stage to be on that internet. And, you know, just, we just have to move forward from this. But I want to know, Chantal, you know, you've never taken your clothes off. I don't think you have for the camera. I have not. <laughs> okay. But have you ever experienced a stigma from working in the adult industry personally? I have. And that is the thing that is so just 
it's top to bottom in this business. When I was still writing academically, I wrote about this thing called the sex worker dividend and the sex work dividend. And it essentially talked about this idea of stigma. And it said, everybody who works in this business, in this business of selling sex, especially women, experience this. Not the same, obviously, right? Some people get it way worse. But anybody who enters this business will feel some of this. And yeah, I mean, I've had, (laughs) I was at an academic conference once and some like legit professor from a big deal university would not speak on a panel with me because, oh my goodness, this, that, and the other. Oh yeah, she walked out and made a scene. My family members have had a negative reaction to it of course, and continue to do so to this day. I am constantly, constantly, constantly concerned about, you know, privacy and things like that, like anybody would be because, you know, you put yourself out there on the internet and you have some association and then you get all of the weird messages. Again, not as intensely and not as often, but certainly I've had people from not just my past, like growing up and things like that, but my parents, like friends of my parents from decades and decades ago, contact me and send me truly alarming messages about their opinions on the work and the thing. Yeah, I mean, it is, again, it's it's not the same, right? It's, it's certainly more intense and, and there's a wide scope of things that happen, but it absolutely happens. You know, a woman who I know who's a a licensing executive in the business, she has two little kids and she has to be very careful about also another, another lady in the industry who's never taken her clothes off. She has to be very careful about what she tells her kids, friends, parents, because she's had like little kid birthday parties that one kid or the other couldn't go to or play dates that get canceled. She works in licensing. Like, licensing deals for broadcasting that's bananas yeah it it is and it just it just shows you doesn't it you know as soon as you say you know you claim that that name I am a sex worker or I work within the sex worker industry Mm -hmm. people see you differently and you know you're not going to be able to change everyone, but what you're going to have to do is find a way how you can deal with that. Even if it's just something as simple as finding a friend, finding a colleague, finding someone within the industry, if you need to talk, there are resources out there that can help you, you know, navigate through this, help with your mind. And there are solutions. You just, it, you've got to be stronger. You've got to be stronger than being in any, any other industry. It, it's something that we all have to deal with. And there's no easy answer to this. And there's nothing, you know, we're sitting here and we're discussing, you know, how do you deal with the stigma? You just have to get on with it. Yeah. And it's not, it's not to say that it's fair. It's not to say that it's pleasant, but it's reality. And when we, we forget about what we're dealing with, or, you know, when we get, sometimes people get so into the industry that they forget about the wider world. And we have to remember to kind of keep ourselves balanced and do what we can. Getting involved with the community is a really good way to find, you know, other people who are who know what you're talking about, right? So I mean, yep. you can always find a mentor, reach out to somebody who you know truly is successful in the industry and is legitimately 
in the business. You know, look for that blue check mark. Oh, wait, that Instagram got canceled. Hey. <laughs> and reach out. And, and, you know, or there's, there's all of these different things. And listen to your peers when you're talking to people. You know, people talk and people know. And that's always a good idea. But the idea of, of investing in community, if you work on a platform and that platform offers any kind of support in terms of, you know, I know some fan sites will have weekly chats with a model mentor, or you can reach out to their support person and ask about terms of service or what you can be doing or business strategies and things like that. Take advantage of those opportunities. Take advantage of people who are willing to share information with you that are working in the same space as you, because that's the best way to grow. And it doesn't mean that you have to listen to everything that they say or take everything they say at face value, but connect with your community. If I could give anybody out there one piece of advice, connect with your community and make informed decisions and make informed decisions that work for you and feel comfortable for you. Because when you do that, anything that you do in this business afterwards will be on your own terms and that will help generate success. It will help generate happiness. It will help generate just, just any kind of uplift or joy that you can get out of this business. And there's so much good about this industry. They're shitty like every other place out there, but there's so much good about this community. Like this lady we're talking to right here, Tanya Tate, the most awesome. Think about it. She's here. How can it be anything but fantastic? <laughs> Oh, Dr. Chantal Tibbles, thank you so much. You give me a lovely, wonderful ending. And, you know, I really appreciate you coming on the Mills Making Money podcast. So Dr. Chantal Tibbles, I love calling you that, that full title. Where can we follow you online and see more of your work? Well, I mean, more of my work you can see at my website, chantelletibbles.com. It's, it's a little interesting. I'm also on Twitter at Dr. Chantel. I do not post very frequently on Twitter because I have this. I'm not giving them my data, but I'm always on there. And if you ever need me, you can come and find me and I will see you. I will see your message and I am always there. Again, I'm just not, I'm just not updating. I'm on a silent protest. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chantal. It's been amazing having you on the MILF's Making Money podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you all for joining me on MILF's Making Money podcast. Special thank you to my guest, Chantelle Tibbles. It was fun having it on and I hope it was informative and gave you an insight into the stigma of being a sex worker. If you didn't know by now, if you have any questions, you can send them to me via SpeakPipe. SpeakPipe.com slash Tanya Tate. And you can be a part of the show. SpeakPipe is an online voice recorder where you can record a short audio message and I will choose my favorites and play them on the show. I've set this up so if you do have a question, you can ask it. However, some rascally fans have left different messages. So let's play a few for your enjoyment. Hi, Tanya. Love your work. Keep rocking. I love you so much, Tanya. Sorry. I would love to be your lover. Your young lover. 
Did you enjoy those clips? You can also leave a message or comment on my social media accounts using the hashtag AskTanyaTate. Tweet me at TanyaTate, post on my latest Instagram post at TanyaTateXO, or leave a comment on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash TanyaTateTube. You can also leave a voice message on my speakpipe.com slash TanyaTate. Will you get mentioned on my next show? If you want to find more of me, including my premium social media links, such as Sex Panther and OnlyFans, go to my link tree. It's my name at Tanya Tate, linktr.ee slash Tanya Tate. This is Tanya Tate. Hope you have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to Tanya Tate Presents MILF's Making Money podcast. Now go out there and go build your bank. <laughs>